Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Welcome everyone to the BX Sports Jedi MMA Weekly of Austin and Chef Dan. I am Austin. This is my co-host Chef Dan. How you doing tonight, Chef Dan? I'm doing very, very good, man. Coming off of an interesting weekend of mixed martial arts and combat sports, it's uh, it was very interesting. I'm doing well. How how are you? How are you, Austin? Doing all, doing pretty good. I'm doing well. And this was a you know very cool and interesting um, <clears throat> weekend in mixed martial arts, especially the main events of Bellator and UFC for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, but we could you know do as we usually do and jump right into Bellator and what happened uh, on Friday. Right, and um, I agree. And Bellator this past Friday was in London, England, for their uh, for Bellator 281, and the main event was between MVP from England and Logan Story. For the interim welterweight championship, as as the current welterweight champion Yermasov Ansarov is in military service in Ukraine during the whole conflict of Russia, so we don't know when he's returning. And originally it was supposed to be Ansarov to finish tag as MVP, but because I mentioned the Ukraine-Russia situation, he wasn't available, so they made it into the championship. And and in this fight, Logan Story wins this fight via unanimous decision, 48-47. No, let me split. Made my bad. Split decision. That's what I meant to say. Thank you for correcting me. Thank you, but um, yeah, Logan Story wins via split decision, 48-47, one judge's scorecard, 48-47 for MVP, another, and 49-46 on for Logan Story, one judge's scorecard. Now, this fight was a little controversial because Scott Coker, the president of Bellator, and even other people like Gary Hwani thought that MVP should have been given decision due to damage, but I thought they got the right call personally in this fight, the judges. I thought Logan Story um, didn't, you know, his ground his ground control and his octagon control, whatever you want to call it, was, he, it was more, it was more, he, he, it was, there was more of that than there was damage to him from MVP, in my opinion. And I know, I know when the fight was standing, MVP landed the better strikes, you know, attack, attacked him, but it wasn't enough though. My problem is MVP, every time you hit him, it would always be ones, never one, two or combinations. 
even tag him just with one shot. And even though that one in round four, and my opinion, round two, just based on, you know, the fact that Store didn't get take them to like very late in that round, round two, the other, you know, the other, the other rounds, it was Story taking him down, just controlling him, and just, you know, keeping, you know, using his wrestling, which he's a pretty good wrestler. I'm looking stories all American in Minnesota. Yeah, University of Minnesota, if I remember. Yeah, that's that's the right college. And he, and he clearly had a clear wrestling advantage or MVP and used it to control MVP and um, just control him keep and prevent him from from damaging him at all. And, I, and it wasn't the best fight, I'll admit. It was, it was not an entertaining fight at all, um, unfortunately, because the rest of the Bellator card was actually really good. But... But Logan Story did what he had to do to win. I thought it was the right call because I don't think MVP did enough in terms of in the stand-up to really to to claim to win the fight via um you know do the damage rather excuse me. That's just my opinion of the fight. I don't know what, what is your opinion on this fight, Chef Dan? Um, I agree that it wasn't the most entertaining fight at all. I disagree with the decision though. I thought uh, MVP won this fight, and I'm I do base it on damage because that's what you're in the octagon to do. Uh, grappling uh, grappling matches decided by control versus in the octagon, The before you're looking for octagon control, you're looking for damage first. Those are the criteria set in judging. And so when, if that's the initial criteria, prior then, and, and, and then the last thing you're gonna look for is octagon control. I think that Logan Storley definitely provided a lot of octagon control, but there was no damage going along with that octagon control. I think MVP came out of that fight virtually untouched. I don't say he was untouched. Uh, Logan Storley did throw in a couple ground strikes here and there, but there was only one sequence of it that happened in the end of maybe the second or the third round. At the uh, the majority of the fight was mostly just him controlling via grappling, but there was no damage done along with it, and there were no submission threats done along with it as well. It was just strictly control. That was all there was. There was no threat of a submission. There was no threat of... There was no threat of a... a um, of ground and pound it was just control so when looking at it in that perspective and kind of really my mind hearkening back to i know they're two different organizations but the judges are still shared either which way when you look at a fight similar to, well it's not similar in that case this was a more exciting fight but you look at the rob font versus uh cheeto vera fight that just recently happened rob font had all the numbers to beat cheeto vera but Cheeto Vera most definitely did more damage. And who came out of that fight, the winner, was the guy that did more damage. So that's just my perspective on it. I, I thought MVP should have won the fight. Right, but my thing is, I feel like the, the Octane Control was so was so much that it, to me, it negated the, the whole, uh, it, it kind of gave a lot of the damage MVP drew. Like I said, MVP, he did land shots, but it was, it was one at a time. It wasn't like combinations or... It wasn't to the point where Logan Story was like really in trouble, in my opinion. Any point in the fight, that's. I mean, I, I get your argument though about the damage and how important it is. And you mentioned you know Chio Vera and Rob Font fight because then Chio had the more damage, but I don't think. Any, danger. I, I, I think danger I, I, is. I think danger is perspective on uh, everyone, because what we could consider danger, another fighter probably doesn't consider danger based on the skill set that a fighter has. So that's a that I think that's perspective based, but like I said, I think the reason why uh MVP in my opinion, I thought he won because of damage. I think in 
when you list the criteria on how they judge fights, and that has been listed consistently at the beginning of all the programs, the last thing you look for is octagon control. And the first thing you look towards is damage. And if you, we're judging, if we're doing it based on that criteria, I think MVP won it. But it, if you feel they got the decision correct, it is what it is. We we just got to move on with what's present. Right, and who knows? Yeah, and then and we know Am's, you know, um, excuse me, Logan Story's interim champions. We find Amster off if um, whenever that, you know, if, if Amstrong's able to get out the whole you know, situation, Ukraine, you know, fight um, and defend his title. Or maybe story defense is interim belt against his teammate Jason Jackson. Because the problem is we don't know when Emersroff is going to be able to leave Ukraine and how long the conflict is going to last with Russia and, and things like that, etc. So, that's so. I mean, in the meantime, story probably will defend the belt, his interim title, possibly. We'll, we'll wait and see what's next for him. As we can, um, anything else you want to say before we move on to the co event? Uh, no, it's just like you said, um, we do not know how long Ansarov is going to be in the war. Things are definitely looking like they're getting more and more serious day by day. So we only could wish for his safety and hope that he can get back, you know, and be able to continue his career. That's what we want first. And then, you know, just him to be healthy enough that he can come back and continue his career. That's the first thing that we wish for. And then secondly, everything else will, you know, come into play. But that's that's the last thing I want to say on that. Definitely agree. And we can move on to the Komei event, the car, which also featured another fighter from the UK, Fabian Edwards, the brother of Leon Edwards of the UFC, taking on Leo Machia in the middleweight division. As Fabian Edwards wins in his in front of his home country, in, in front of his fans in his home country, I should say, against the legend Leo Machida via KO in the first round, three minutes eighteen seconds, and. This was a very good win for Fabian because Fabian, I mean Fabian, basically threw like five five lefts, maybe left elbows, left left hooks, and just lefts that knocked down Machida. I I was rewatching it and I saw it was nothing but lefts, which was shocking. I mean I know they're in a clinch and he drew a left elbow that hurt Machida, and then from there he was able to they got Machida went near the fence and Edwards was able to attack and you know, throw a left hook, left hook and several lefts before driving Machida and finishing off from the bottom with several lefts before the ref stopped it. But at that point, Machida was already out. And this was a great victory for Fabian, considering I think he had lost his last fight. I remember, I know that. And Machida is a legend. I mean, I know Machida is not the Machida, you know, 10 years ago or even five years ago, but still as a guy who's been UFC like heavyweight champion, fought for UFC middleweight title. This guy who's Who's one of more, who's been who's had one of the better careers in MMA history and look at his whole career, and to do that against a legend like that, knock him out, it's it's definitely gonna it's definitely uh, his biggest victory of his career, and it's definitely some, something to be proud about. And it's a pretty good victory for him too. I mean, Chia went for a takedown mistaken, but he got up and just negate and just prevent Chia do anything with a takedown before he was able to you know win that left elbow that that hurt Machida led to the finish. Overall, great victory for Fabian. I, I agree with you 100%. It was a great victory. This was an exciting uh, ending. The fight in, ex in itself, the way they started off, both of these guys were looking to strike continuously. It was surprising to see Leoto Machida go for the takedown, but, um, at, you know, it, all in all, like I just agree with you 100%. It was an exciting fight, and it, this is a good momentum win for Fabian Edwards. Something where he can pick up the, uh, you know, some wind beneath his sails and kind of move forward in the, uh, 
move forward in the division, move forward in this promotion. It, it'll be a very good look for him if, you know, you have his brother fighting for the title and this guy coming off of a very exciting win uh, against Lyoto Machida, the legend that he is, that you get another victory, uh, you know, later on down this year. Just got to stay active, though. But all in all, great victory for Fabian Edwards. I totally agree. Stay active. Definitely get Kofi get a fight before the end of the year. Maybe one two in a row. Maybe put yourself to fight Gagar Masasi. You don't wonder if Gagar Masasi and Giant Evelyn because they're there. next month they're gonna fight for the middleweight title. And and I saw Fabian's ranked number four, so he's right there. All he needs is like well, at least one more victory, especially if you finish the next opponent, whoever that be. Maybe Austin Vanderfour or whoever. If he can in a rematch with Vanderfour, if he can um you know win his next fight, especially finish that opponent. I mean, he could be just like his brother and probably get a title fights in a major MMA organization like his brother is more likely going to get with against Kamaru Usman UFC. I agree overall. with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah, overall, good victory for Fabian Edwards, definitely. And the crowd, definitely. Um, I mean, it's one, of, it's one of the two Brits that won the main card that the crowd was definitely left happy. We'll talk about the other fight as well, you know, later on. As we move to the women's flyweight division, Bellator, as Kana Watanabe submits Denise Keyholtz in the second round via triangle chokes, three minutes and three seconds in the second round. And gotta give Kana Watanabe a lot of credit. She got stunned in like the first 10 seconds of that fight, where it looked like she was about to get finished or dropped. And she immediately went to grab hold of Denise Keyholtz and was able to get hold of her and initiate the clinch. And then the rest of that first round, they were on the, the ground for most of the first rounds. Watanabe was trying to survive and go for any, and, try, and went for a submission where they could choke the end of the first round, but really couldn't do anything in that fight. Because, I mean, not, excuse me, in that round, because it was, she didn't have enough time. And Kiyotes, you know, was able to fence lot takedowns and get on top position a couple of times, but Watanabe kept grabbing for her limbs as, as she kept, as that's played a major part in this fight in the second round. Clinch, they were, got in the clinch and takedown. I forget who initiated takedown. And then uh, Watanabe got kicked with a legal kick and uh, went on the bottom, which you know people forget. Even, even if you are on the bottom, you still can't kick a down opponents in the head if they're down. Even if you are down yourself. Mm-hmm. And thankfully for Keyhole, she didn't. Watanabe was able to continue and she didn't lose because of disqualification, which would have sucked for her and sucked for the fans to lose that for a fight then like that. And then, and then, um, then Watsonawi took her, uh, took her down, but she reversed position. But then Watsonawi, as after Keyhole's reverse position got on top, Watsonawi put on the triangle, the triangle arm, arm choke. And once she got, which, which at the time I couldn't see because of the fact that the camera angle, it, it was kind of hard to tell the camera angle where not she got it or not. But then we see the replay. She got, she got it on immediately, and then forced Keyhole's to tap. And it was a very good victory for Watsonawi considering her last fight she had lost, got finished. She got hurt badly in the first round and she got you know kick you know legal kicks early in the second round so great victory for her definitely showed toughness in that fight i agree with you 100 this was a gritty gritty fight from both contestants denise keyholtz you know salute to her for rocking uh kind watanabe early in that round and a lot of you know it, it kind of did survive in that first round like you said but she was consistently trying to get the finish all throughout the first round and maybe that's what kind of gassed her uh, uh going into that second round and that allowed uh kind of to you know jump on it and, and get the triangle choke but kind of was also a very very good contestant this uh this night she was game both of them was it was a gritty gritty fight gritty gritty fight 
definitely gr yep gritty that's a good word for it gritty fight definitely good word for it as Watsunami, like I said, bounces back from a loss to Liz Carmouche, who is the current Bellator flyweight, women's flyweight champion. As I'm, as as hopefully Bellator runs that fight back between Liz and um and J Julia Vasquez, considering the controversy of the of their fight uh, about three weeks ago in Hawaii. Uh, you know, for Watsunabe, hopefully you need to give her someone else. You know, if she can win that fight, maybe against a Justine Kish or someone in top ten. Maybe then you got Watanabe fight the winner of Vasquez and um, Carmouche, as I think that fight definitely needs to be settled in the rematch, considering it was a very competitive fight between Vasquez and Carmouche before the bad rest stoppage by Mel Bel Mike Beltran in that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. There's, there's different ways of doing this now that uh, Conor Watanabe came out on top here. It's, it's going to be interesting, and we shall see. There is a hope that they can run that back, but if not, there is fluidity in this division. Yep, definitely agree. As we can move on to to the next fights between Paul Daly and Wendell Giacomo, and this was and Paul Daly in his retirement fights, and based on the interview of, he did of Harry Juani today in MMA Hour, this is his retirement fight. Hey. Paul Daly gets the KO victory against Wendell Giacomo in the second round, four minutes and nine seconds into it, and. Man, this Paul Daly was in trouble. He got taken down the first row, got controlled by Giacomo. As Giacomo, I learned, took this fight in two weeks' notice. I, I'm not sure I mentioned that last week, or but he definitely. But I found that. But I, I, but yeah, I learned it was confirmed that he took this fight in short notice, and he came to fight. He came to spoil the retirement for Paul Daly, fighting in front of England, in front of his home country. I think his hometown fans in London. And the second round was a lot of the same, taking him down, controlling him, and basically you know, controlling him and doing what a lot of fighters do against Paul Daly in order to beat him. Most guys to beat Paul in order to beat Paul Daly, yet they take him down as they take him, you know, and control him because Paul Daly's defense at times has not exactly been the best. And he was Wendell was doing the right thing, but Paul Daly was able to get out, get out from a bottom, and, and basically it was big, it was hurt him. It was throwing some shots, you know, and then as Yakumo got up, he landed that beautiful left body shot that froze Yakumo and, de and delivered that vicious, I mean vicious, right, that dropped, that finished and that dropped him. I mean, I mean, it was vicious as all. I mean, if you haven't seen that, you go go find it because that that knockout, that knockout is, it's typical of Paul Daly. Paul Daly doesn't win by submission. The guy has zero submission victories in his career. If he wins, it's usually by knockout. Sometimes decision, but it's mostly knockouts. Paul Daly and submissions don't go together like at all. I mean, this was a great victory. I mean, this was this was absolutely a stunning victory. Paul Daly, salute to him and a great career. And this is, I mean, this is the way most fighters want to end their career, especially when they say this is their last fight. Kind of want to end it winning and in spectacular fashion, the way he did fighting through adversity and, and you know th it seems like that that fight was emblematic of of who paul daly is fighting through adversity through all the grappling things of that nature you kind of have to get out of it in order to get the win and when he finally does and he gets that sliver of daylight in order to release the you know cannons he got it was just good night irene and he was just able to get it and i mean that like i said that most fighters, when they say they're retiring, that's the way they want to end with the emphatic KO and letting the world know this is what I did. And 
salute to Paul Daly. This was an, a very exciting fight. Indeed, it, it was very exciting. I mean, my gosh, that, I mean, damn. I mean, Paul Daly's got power. This is his 35th victory, I believe, by knockout in TKO. 35, I mean, there's not many fighters in MMA history that got that many knockouts. Even the great knockout artists we think of in MMA history don't got that many. If you look it up, I mean, I mean, even someone like Derek Lewis, who's got the most knockouts in UFC history, he's got 13. And overall, I think 20. I think he's got 20 knockouts in his career. Now, granted, Paul Daly has a lot more fights than Derek Lewis, but still, when you think of knockout artists, you know, we think guys like him, Ngannou. I mean, you, Dan Henderson back in the day with the H bomb. I mean, they're the great knockout guys. They have. I mean, not many have 35 knockouts. I mean, that's a lot. Of, that, I mean, a lot. Of, I mean. For, for a lot of guys who are knockout artists, that's how many victories they got, 35. Yeah. For Paul Daly to have that much, it just shows how freaking, how much dynamite he had in his hands. And kicks, too. I mean, I'll never forget the Bellator fight a couple years ago. I forget who it was. Against an Irish fighter where he hit him with a flying knee that that that, that, that finished him. Like, knee to the side that just, and he just bodies went out cold. He had to carry on the stretcher, too. I, I mean, Paul Daly's one like, like that. I mean, Paul Daly, I mean, when he, when he throws bombs at you, you not usually go down. Like I say, it's kind of crazy to think that he that there are eight guys that want that were able to survive Paul Daly as Paul Daly was able to win by decision. Kind of surprising considering how much power that, that man's got. Oh, yeah. Not only that, but it, 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 also, it also lends to the conversation of, like, how active he was. To have 35 KOs shows that you had a lot of activity in your career. You were constantly out there trying to give the fans what they wanted because, you know, people love the KOs. It was a very active guy and, you know, salute to him, man. Just salute to him. Yeah, I mean, this guy is a pioneer for British MMA. I mean, him, he, you know, he's like that same, like, he, him and Bisping came around the same time in terms of, like, their prominence to, you know, MMA. You know, they both were around the same time. They're both two guys who helped. Leading these new generation of British fighters, now we're now seeing with Aspinall and Patty Pimlet and Molly McCann and um, Arnold Allen and guys like that and MVP and Bellator, you know, etc. So definitely, Paul Daly is definitely a, a pioneer for British MMA, along with guys like Michael Bisbee and before him, Ian Freeman and guys like that, who definitely played a part in putting British MMA in the map. I mean, Paul Daly's fought like like a ton of organizations, a lot. I mean. Fought in the UFC and then he fought in Strike Force, where he, where him and Nick Diaz gave us probably the greatest first round fight in MMA history. That epic war between him and Nick Diaz that only lasted for the for one round. That you know they lost, but still it was a great fight. Still probably the greatest one round fight you ever see. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Then fighting Bellator and these other organizations. Paul Daly was active, fought everywhere, fought who's who guys. I mean, Paul Daly is that is a great legend, you know all-time, you know, a pioneer, a legend in British MMA, and one of the most powerful fighter, punchers in MMA history, and greatest knockout artist in MMA history. So salute to him and, and salute for his career he had in MMA. Most definitely. Uh, with that being said, um, we can move on to the last fight, well, the first fight on the main card, <laughs> Simon Beyong versus Luke Trainer. Simon Beyond wins this fight via unanimous decision, and uh, I, I think I may have missed this fight. Did, did you check this one out? I think I missed it, too. I feel like... Wait, was it... No, this is the one. I, yeah, I didn't miss this one, unfortunately. I know um, Beyond won... I know 
Luke Trainer was, was from England and Beyond Spoiled the Homecoming. That I do know. But I didn't get to see his fights, unfortunately. But a good okay. victory for Sign Beyond fighting in the main main Carver Bellator event in England. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, with that being said, we can move on from uh, Friday night to what happened Saturday. UFC fight night. Blahovich versus Rakic. This was um, this was a very fun card for me. I agree. It was definitely fun. It was definitely a fun card. Want to start off with the main event: Jan Blahovich versus Alexander Rakic. Jan Blahovich wins this fight TKO in the third round, but it's due to Alexander Rakic sustaining a leg injury. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was. Yeah. It sucked. It, yes, you're right. It sucked. It, it definitely it, sucked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a bad fight at all. Not, you know, it was just that it sucked to see a fight end like that. That's what yeah, and are, are trying to say. Especially because, like, all right, when you are right, the first round, these two guys are very careful with their power. They both know they can They pack a punch. Uh, Rakic definitely knows Blahovich packs a punch, but Blahovich was also being careful of Rakic's power. But these guys weren't afraid to, you know, meet in the middle and throw around. They, you know, they're, they're throwing the leg kicks, things of that nature. And then once they get into the tussle, I believe it's in the first round that that Jan, uh, Jan's eye gets cut. Yes, in the first round, like for like the first two minutes, like Rakic like throws a. Punk. I mean that's. That's not it. That's but John that's... throwing a, a a punch, but you can see some of the blood on his eye right there. Yeah, you can see it. It Rakish Rakish threw a right that that just went the right place in Jan's like um eye, like kind of like right here. If those of you watching, you can see what I'm trying to demonstrate. And it cut, and it cut literally just at that spot where you know it has a cut right along his nose, but right at that spot where you would dig out your eye boogers. Yes, exactly. There you go. That's the perfect spot. As um, I'm, as I was trying to demonstrate, unfortunately, those those audio, you, it's hard, you know, just subscribe for those listening to audio. What me, what uh, I was trying to demonstrate. But yeah, definitely like a good anything, spot. You know what? I, I'm gonna give one more example, and if you guys don't get it, that's fine. But to my anime slash manga nerds, Itachi. That line he has right there under his eyes. Uh, if you can imagine, that's yeah. the type of cut Rakic got. It just imagine it extending up to his nose. Yeah, like right got. on the bridge of his nose, yep. That was the one Blahovich got. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. It was a you were wondering how it was gonna affect him as the fight kept going on. You you were, I was worried that the fight might get stopped because it was a, such a bad cut in a bad spot. Well, the fight was able to continue. Went past the first round. Salute to Cutman Tate. Yes. Gotta salute that guy. Cutman Tate does a good job there. He was excellent on that. He made sure to stop the bleeding for Blahovich. And then from there, the second round, Blahovich is starting to get a little... Both guys are getting a, a, a bit more active. It was like... The first two rounds were still kind of like... It, it was weird to me. Like, the first round, maybe you could kind of give it to Rakic because he had a little bit more output and he landed. The second round was a bit more of a toss-up to me. 
that one was still in the air. I didn't know what was going to happen there because both guys, they were play, they were pretty active. And then Rakic got the takedown. I believe he was going for a takedown and then they end up in a clinch or whatnot. He got, he, he got, he, he took him down. There was a, there was a takedown. I do remember there was yeah. a point where Rakic was on top and was kind of controlling um, Blovitz for at least, at least towards the end of the round, definitely for sure. So it's like a couple of minutes of it at least. But um, all in all, like that one was a bit of a toss up there. I didn't know who to give the round to because either both guys did so well. It was like, a yeah, you really don't know. And then the third round, you come in. Alexander Rickage is, is, is throwing some leg kicks. And then just as he's stepping back to throw one more, he steps wrong. And he just falls down immediately. And he's holding his leg and just as... You know, Blahovich is circling around and he's looking at him like he's about to hit Rakic. And then he looks at the referee and then he looks at Rakic again. And Rakic holds his leg and tells him, nah. And Blahovich, in control at the moment, you know, fighters could have, you know, high adrenaline, and, you know, pumping through them. They could just lose sight of the moment and just try and finish. But he truly just said, he analyzed the moment and said, no, this dude cannot continue. There's an injury, that's it. Yeah. And so I mean, that's how, uh, yeah, that's how Blahovich won. I'm so, yeah, give credit for Blahovich for being able to, you know, stop himself from doing, you know, punching Rakic while it's down. Because a lot of fights will have done that, not because they're being, you know, jerks or anything, just because, you know, he in the moment, you know, you got, you know, you don't, you don't stop till the rep tells you to stop, and. You know, he could have easily throw some shots on the ground while he was clearly hurt and couldn't continue. But Bo was able to stop himself, which definitely credited him. I mean, and sucks for Rakic because this, like I said, this is not how you want to see a fight end. Regardless of the main event, regardless of the title eliminator for a division, or regardless of the prelim fight, you don't want to see a fight end like that where a guy gets a non-contact injury and they have to, and they can't continue. Exactly, and it wasn't it, it wasn't like you know. Blahovich softened up the leg, and that's why it happened. You know, similar to what um, what's that fight again? Cheeto Vera versus Sean O'Malley. Remember when what? he gave Cheeto Vera the leg kick, and that gave uh, that gave Sean O'Malley a drop foot. Yeah. So now when Sean right O'Malley, nerve. yep, he hit the right nerve at the right time. So now when Sean O'Malley wanted to do his usual movement, he couldn't because he had drop foot at that moment. But, like, yeah, it, it sucks for Rakic. And he did, uh, you know, he released a, a statement on Instagram. says, a great battle took place in the octagon tonight, but unfortunately it ended not the way Jan and I or the fans wanted. The same damn injury from three weeks ago in camp showed up again tonight. I felt I won both rounds, round one being close, but round two was just mine. Then I really opened up really good uh, even in the third before my knee buckled. Knowing the fact that my cardio was off the chart with a heartbeat of 36 in sleep, I would start to picking him apart in the third uh, from the third round on, but it is what it is. Congratulations to Jan, and I wish him the best. I will take care of this injury and come back like you've never seen me before. This is, unfinished, uh, this is an unfinished fight between Jan and I, and I really hope the UFC gives me a rematch. And he, uh, I, I read the news re, uh, earlier today. Alexander Rakic is going into surgery for a torn ACL. 
So he's going to be out for a while. And we know that uh, for Jan, the, I mean, it, it, it's smart for Rakic to, to do the call out because Jan is technically the number one contender. And we saw Glover Teixeira literally put out moments before the fight that if Jan took care of business, he would give him the rematch. So that's what's going to happen there. But um, regardless, that's Rakic just protecting his spot and wanting to be a guy that at the end of the day you're fighting a guy that's a top five guy when you come back if, if that's the fight you want to enter right into and you're confident in doing that then albeit but I, I wish him the best in, in recovery same here wish him the best of recovery and who knows how long that's he's gonna be it's gonna be a while but i don't know it's gonna take a year seven eight months i mean it will you know it's who knows especially you mentioned he had the injury two weeks three weeks earlier so that might, maybe this might have made it worse. It might take longer from the recover, possibly. Possibly, it all depends on what this next, uh, this upcoming week, we find out more information about the surgery and, and all that, etc. And yeah, it definitely sucks to see him. Although I suck to see him get injured like that. I was gonna mention. I've heard stuff that people that it, some people believe that y Jan did check several of Rakic's kicks from his right leg and. Some believe the, the the checks that Jan did, the late checks that Jan did, might might have led up to the injury that Rakic got. Even even before he stepped back, there was a point where it looked like Jan did check a kick, and then he put his foot back, you know, he put his leg back, and that might you know the check might play a part into the injury potentially. Who knows? He most definitely put it out there that he was injured in. Uh... In training camp, so it, it could have been that. It could have been the check. Who really knows? The only thing we do know is that at the moment that that ligament went out, it was not directly, like, it wasn't something where, you know, it was an oblique kick. Right. It wasn't that. It wasn't. It, it, you know, at the time, the man literally just stepped back and um, he tore his ACL. And we, you know, people, you know, it, we, we could say it was the check. We could, you know, say it was training camp. We could say it was that very step. We really don't know. But it, it, it is what it is. He got hurt, and we do wish him a speedy recovery. Yes, we do. And um, as for the fight itself, I mean, it was a very competitive fight. I thought Rakic won the second round just on ground control, and he did do some, you know, he, he did go, he was trying to do stuff on the ground, like go for some, you know, some shots and like, I believe he's trying to go for a submission. I could be wrong about that if my memory serves me correct in the second round. And Jan, I thought, won the first round. So um, he landed more shots, you know, late kicks, and he landed some powerful shots that, that you know, that, that took Rakic back a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, this was this was a competitive fight. So, I mean, maybe Rakic might have taken over with the takedowns, but it's possible that Jan could just land some very heavy shots because Jan did go to the body several times in that fight, especially in the first round. And the other leg of Rakic, if you saw, it was very swelled up because a lot several leg kicks Jan landed on Rakic, and you look at Rakic's left leg, you definitely could see it was swelling. It was red. You know, the leg that what that didn't where the ACL didn't tear off. You know, the, the leg that where the ACL tear didn't incur rather. Let me correct myself. Yeah, who knows? But um, we. We, we can't do the, the multiverse right now of what would have happened in that fight. We just got to run with the results of what happened. Jan definitely, after this fight, he's just going to be on, uh, you know, on ice waiting for his next title shot. 
and Rakich has to just uh, recuperate right now. That's it. Yeah, definitely great for Jan. Probably the next fight, especially as Glover Teixeira mentioned, if he were to win, he would give him his rematch. But Glover first has to be Yuri Prohaska, you know, next month, with like really three, a little more, three weeks away in um, Singapore. Got to beat him first, and then I guess if Glover wins, well, not I guess, but, you know, they probably will do the rematch to Glover Jan. Although Magomed and Goliath and Anthony Smith might have something to say with that, considering they are fighting July. You know, it's July 30th, but they are fighting each other. Excuse me. And um, and, and, who are, and someone has a good performance there. They Maybe they can shoot over Jan Blovitz to get a title fight. Potentially. Maybe the UFC might want to do that. Although, although if you UFC, it, would, it, wouldn't, it, it wouldn't hurt you to do Jan and Glover too, considering Glover is willing to give Jan a, a rematch. Well, you know, if Glover wins, because if Yuri wins, who knows what Yuri wants? Maybe Yuri might not want to fight. Well, actually, I can see Yuri and Jan fighting each other in Europe, especially if UFC wants to go to Europe and do a big card there, especially the two big Central Eastern European fighters doing card there. Could definitely be, you know, they might do that, especially since there's not many. That'd be a great opportunity to do that, considering UFC will like to, I'm pretty sure, like to go Central Eastern Europe. And, but they just, and that fight like that could definitely help them get, you know, do a fight there. Free Poland, Czech Republic, whichever, you know, whichever country, it could be Germany even, or England even. Somewhere in Europe for that fight, if Yuri would be Glover and Yuri Jan. Yeah, there's That's- a myriad of, of possibilities, but Jan right now maintains the number one contendership in the division. He is number one in the uh, lightweight division, so we shall see based on other uh, matchups that happen. But what what's also interesting to me is what happened within the same division in the co-main event between Ryan Spann and Ian Kutalaba. This fight ended in the first round via guillotine choke. Ryan Spann wins it. And, um, man, he said what he was going to do, and he did it. He knew that Ayan Kutalaba was going to at some point shoot for a takedown, things of that nature. He knew that, that you know, that was a possibility that Ayan Kutalaba could take him down. He And I was worried when he did, but Ryan Span said, I'm going to rock this guy. And then after that, he's going to shoot in and I'm going to guillotine him and choke him out. And he did exactly that. Like he, he rocked him. Ayan Kutalaba got the takedown. We worried at that moment. I thought because he, you know, Ayan Kutalaba, he is known to, when he takes someone down, it is ground and pound and just control. Ground and pound and control. And that's why he's got that nickname of being the bully in the division. But Ryan Spann, man, was game and hip to it all. He was able to get back up. And then after that, he was able to secure the guillotine and... That guy, Kutalaba had no choice but to tap out. This was a very exciting one-round fight right here. What, what were your thoughts, Austin? This was a very fun fight for the co-men to last it. Not, you know, a little less than three minutes lasted. I mean, I mean, Ryan Spann hurt Kutalaba. Kutalaba gets a takedown via judo flip or judo trip, which was nice. And then the, the thing that really impressed me is... Ryan Spann, when he was on bottom, the way he just kicked Kutalaba off like nothing. Like, he just kicked him like, get off me, boy. Almost like a, almost like someone would do when they're playing, wrestling with their, like, little brother or, like, their child. It's like you just kick him off. Like, I mean, Kutalaba's a big guy. I mean, 
Ryan Spann's big too. I mean, I just want to say something. Doesn't Ryan Spann look like he should be a heavyweight, not lay heavyweight? Says how big he looks. Yeah, he definitely looks like he could. He 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 should be a heavyweight, but at the same time, I mean, like I'm as big as he is, the sheer athleticism that Ryan Spann has, he can just coast in the division because you're you don't have a John Jones in the division right now. Yeah, it's true, but uh, it's true. I just think the size. I mean, he's like six four, six five, something like that. He's a. I mean, I, I, he just looks so much bigger than Kutalaba. Kutalaba ain't no small guy. It, it was. I was surprised. It looked like a heavyweight fighting light heavyweight, but um, Kut, but Kutalaba, like I said, was able to get a takedowns twice, two takedowns. So I think actually I think three takedowns and twice with a judo trip and. Like I said, as far as Kutalaba was pushed off from Span, Span just uses his legs, just push him like nothing. Especially that second time. That second time was just like, whoa. Considering, like I said, you don't, you don't see that in fights where guys just, when on the bomb, just use their leg, just pushes, completely pushes their opponent off them completely. I mean, I was like, oh, damn. But, but, right, but, I mean, you don't see that often. That was impressive as all heck. I mean, all hell. I mean, my gosh, I mean, if you haven't seen that, definitely watch. If you can find the fight, I mean, watch it because that was it, impressive yeah. to watch. That was a, that doesn't that doesn't happen often, in my opinion. It just does. You, I haven't seen it often. If you have ESPN Plus, it is available. It is on demand for you to rewatch. Just go to the MMA section on ESPN Plus, and you can watch the entire fight. You know, it's in, in its entirety, the whole three minutes and. Well, they're gonna they're, they're gonna put in you know the the the, the uh, fight card and and uh, you know Bruce Buffer uh, uh, doing the introduction. So it's possibly gonna be six minutes of video, but you, <laughs> it, it'll be worth it for six minutes of video because uh, you will see the Peacock and his flair doing this thing on a fight night, and then you'll see Ryan Spann doing his thing. Uh, 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 you know just. Like you said, it, the way he just shoved, the way he just, it was proper technique, number one, because we've always, we've seen, we've heard, we've heard this again on the commentators, we've seen this against the, with the great wrestlers. When you're on bottom, there are techniques and ways that you can, you know, position yourself to get up. But at the end of the day, it's all about exploding in activity. It's exploding in activity. And he had the power for the explosion. And he just showed, like, with the athleticism, you saw it in the activity. Uh, yes, and definitely was impressive. And, he, and, he, uh, and then uh, once they got to the feet, Kutalaba w went for overhand right, slipped, and was led the opening for a span on that guillotine or front choke. It was one of the two, and, and, and uh, yep. Kutalaba was trying to, like, turn, try, you know, Put pressure to where it would break the hole, but couldn't. Instead, just made it tighter, and Kutalaba had no choice to tap. It was very quick, and it was like surprising how quickly that that sequence went from when they got up to Kutalaba missed, and then he put the um, you know, excuse me, when Span put the guillotine choke on him. I mean, it was overall a great victory, a great fight, entertaining fight, great victory for Span as he stays in the rankings. Now, saying so he was number 13 going into the fight, this fight. Probably stay number thirteen at the moment, so maybe next for him a ranked fight. Um, there's a possibility. There's a couple. I mean, he could. It, it, I, would you mind seeing him against Johnny Walker, or does Johnny Walker have a fight coming up? 
I could. I thought you had fight. I mean, if he does, then there, there's a couple of names he could fight in the division. Uh, I know Paul Craig is is up there right now, but I mean, <sighs> he's got five Ustamir and and the London card. Paul Craig. Is Jamal Hill fighting anyone recently? I mean, Jamal Hill should be signed up for someone. I don't know. I think he might be fighting fighting uh, Anthony Smith. No, Anthony Smith is fighting. Magomed Kalayev. Yeah. But I mean, there's a there's a couple of guys. Is Krylov? A fight. I think I think he's fighting Gustafson in that London card as well. Hmm. Well, I do know Dominic Reyes is out. Well, he's out right now because he's just taking time off to recuperate. I don't yeah. know if you remove him out of the division. There's, uh, if you remove his name out of the ranking, there's room for one more person, or maybe he moves up. Maybe Ryan Span moves up, and he, you know, he waits for someone coming off of a victory soon. But we definitely shall see. Yeah, great, a good victory for Ryan Span. As we move on to the next fight in the bantamweight division between David Grant and Lee Smoka, as David Grant wins this fight via KO in the. In the, in in third round, forty nine seconds of the third round. Excuse me. This was a very fun fight. This was a very entertaining fight. And you can make arm. Yes, you can make arm. I thought this should have been fighting night over two Kagan and Manahivas. You know, it was a fun fight. I, I thought like this fight was better, in my opinion. It's a much better fight. I thought. Not no offense to ladies. It was a good fight, but I thought this was a lot, a lot of fun. I mean, Smoka survived surprised the first round, which was surprising. Then he put Grand in trouble in the second round. Then Grant was able to catch him and drop him in the third round very quickly too, and after a very after a very even beginning in the third round too. After they look, it's Grant took the first round completely. He had the power yep. shots walking down Smoker a lot. It was just you know he landed a, a couple good shots and and wobbled Smoker continuously. But then Smoker was able to readjust in that second round, and he took the round you know convincingly. More so in the later half because he really came on in the later half and Davy Grant's power started to fade out. Then you get into that third round and both guys, it was a dead even until Davy Grant lands that KO. It was a dead even third round. We really didn't know. So I, I agree with you there. This 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 should have been fight of the night. Yeah, exactly. Back and forth. The second round, Grant, you know, Grant was in trouble. Smoka starting Main adjustments putting Grant in trouble, but Grant in the third round, like he was able to catch Smoka. And I'm trying to remember, I forget, was that body shot, then a punch, or was it late that, that that led open to the to the knockout blow? I'm I forget. I, I think I think it was a body shot. Yeah, I think it was something like that. With those Cause Grant was not kicking as much. He was especially in that second round, he got out he got into a habit of just throwing punches, and really he was headhunting in the third round. So I think it had to have been a body shot. Gotcha. And anyway, it was a great great setup and great finish for Davey Grant. Stay, you know, in a very fun fight, Davey Grant gets a nice victory against Luis Smoko, who was game and brought to um to, uh, to Davey Grant, and even did well in the second round too. So great phase of wrestling, came back. Well, he faced a challenge and came back, rather, but still... Very, very fun fight. Very um, good. Very, very good fight from Grant and Smoka. Like I said, should be fighting night in my opinion over T-Boss and QK again. That, but that, but, but overall, but overall, great fights and shout out to David Grant.
Also, Grant looked big. I thought he looked like a 45er compared to com compared to like Smoka. You know, Smoka did look big for 35. I mean, did you think? Did you notice that how big he looked for 35? Uh, he didn't look that big to me. I think you know what it was. It was just the effect of like how dominant he looked in that first round, because he really made Louis Smoker like shrink. Like it, I don't know how else to say it. His presence shrunk in that first round, and it kind of looked like Davy Grant was gonna walk away with this thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. It did look like it, but even before, I thought I thought he looked big. Just that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong, but. I mean, that might play a bit. That might play a role in that, maybe. But I thought before he looked big too, Davy Grant. By the way, great fight, great victory for Davy Grant. Definitely an exciting fight. And I guess we can move on to Chukagian and oh, no, that's Oops, that's sorry. that's yeah, that's later on down My the fault. card. Yeah. Before we can talk about what happened there, we gotta talk about this women's flyweight fight between Kaylin Chukagian and Mena Hibas. As Chukagian was ranked number one in the flight division, Hibas was, I think, number nine in the strawweight division. Hibas decided to go up and wait. I don't know if this is going to be her new weight class or if she just took it just to do something different. Not sure, but either way, Kayla Chukagian wins this fight via split decision. 28-28, two judges scorecards, while the other judge gave it to Hibas, 29-28. And I thought this was the right call. I can understand why it's something like Hibas won because of, you know, of ground control, and but... I thought he boss I mean not he boss excuse me, Chukagin, unlike MVP, did more on strike you know, with the MVP story fight we were talking about earlier, did more in the stand up and landed more shots, especially especially in the stand up than compared to MVP in story and was playing combinations, you know, one twos and even rock he boss a couple of times where he boss was rocked a little bit. But she, but but he boss kept going and she was able to you know, she basically won the stand up this fight. She threw, she was a better stand-up fighter than Hebos mostly in this fight. Not, although Hebos did have her own success in, in the stand-up as well at times in this fight, but I thought Shukagin was the better fight, better fighter in terms of the stand-up. And if Hebos had just done more on the ground, she probably could have won this fight because this was very close. It definitely was a very close fight that some argue Hebos probably should have won. But I thought the judges got it right, and, and Shukagin did enough to win. As Shukagin wins four in a row now, she's won five of her last six since that loss to Valentina for the flyweight title back in, um, back in 2020. Yeah, February 2020. Um, this was a very, very close fight. I wouldn't have been mad if Ibas won this fight because I thought she was putting in a lot of work. I know Caitlin Shukagin was a better uh, stand-up fighter, but she definitely had her moments coming. Uh, Ibas. I think had her moments in the stand-up later on in the second and a lot of in the third. Especially later on in the third uh, that she had her moments in the stand-up against Caitlin Chukagian. But um, I, I wasn't mad at the decision. Uh, this fight could have gone either way. That's how th this good this fight was. I, I, man, it's crazy. Both the Smoker and the Davy Grant fight were, were very, very good. This fight... Uh, 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 as well as, as that one and now thinking about it i'm not you know i'm not too upset that this fight won fight of the night because this could have gone either way you had an argument for either fighter it's just the judges came out with um Chukagian on top but i i could definitely uh pick nits about why uh he boss could have won uh should have won this fight but 
it, it is what it is. It, a great fight for both these women, though. It was, and and Dude and Ken Shigugan deserves a rematch. Oh, excuse me, not a rematch, but another title shots. Because I think yes, she's won four in a row. She's the she's the clear. It seems like she's the only woman in the top five that has been has put on a streak since losing to Valentina. Besides Teleon Santos, who's fighting Valentina a couple weeks, over three weeks, over three weeks in Singapore. I believe three weeks from Saturday. I could be wrong, but next month for sure. I know it's next month. Valentina Fenzer Belgian does Antalya Santos. Um, and like I said, do you think Caitlyn's done enough to get another shot at the title? Because I say yes. Yeah, because I mean, I, the only other opponent left for her to fight would be like either Lauren Murphy or Manon Fior. She would have to go down the list. And at that point, it really doesn't help her coming off of a great win streak like this. Like, you don't, it doesn't mean anything right now. Like, you can be on ice, wait for the victory between Shevchenko and uh, uh, Santos. And then from there, you can, you know, you call the shots. Because at the end of the day, you're still number one contender. And these things, these things mean something. Looking at the uh, rankings, especially if you're coming off of great victories and you're the number one contender, it means something for you to you know, be in that position and call the shot. So, yeah, there's nothing stopping her from getting another title shot other than Santos. Yeah, I agree. If Santos will pop the upset, I mean, you'll, they'll have to do the automatic rematch between Santos and Valentina. That's the one thing that could probably prevent Caitlyn from fighting next for the title. I mean, I say this: if 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 it comes to fight week, right? And you, well, I mean, they probably would already have a backup fighter in place for uh talia santos but let's say talia santos ends up being injured or something or something happens god forbid knocking on wood the the week of the fight and they have to throw in a backup fighter like and it was caitlin jukakin would you be upset at that Nah, when i nah if there's anyone else down that list you kind of looking and going yeah, I mean, they were if they were contractually signed to be the backup fighter, I guess I'm okay with it. But above all else, it's like they got it. At the end of the day, someone has to see Caitlyn. Whoever has the belt has to see Caitlyn at some point. Yeah, I definitely agree. Totally agree. She's won four in a row, five of the last six fights since that loss to Valentina for the title back in February 2020. And she's done enough. And... Uh, and I know I heard some. No, I saw something where Caitlyn's talking about wanting to fight me on floor in France, considering they are going to France in September. I personally don't think it's the best idea. I think if you're Caitlyn, you may want to just wait for the title, considering you earn the right to fight for the championship next, especially if Valentina were to win against Santos next month. But if that doesn't happen, if Santos wins and either one rematch, I can understand her taking the fight against me on in France. I, I think that's something where it's where I, here's where the business side of me comes, uh, you know, as far as like, there's different reasons why people take fights. And I think her taking that fight isn't about ranking. I think it's about staying active and getting a paycheck. Okay. And, it, you know, like, and not only that, but like, it, it, you know, it's active, it gets a paycheck, but then the bonus of it all is that, and this is the way she would be looking at it, is I'm staying active, I'm at work, I'm clocking in, so they have no choice but to pay me, and, but then on top of that, 
if I take this girl out who's a rising contender, I'm the playing field. Yeah. It'd be too un- you'd be too undeniable to get another it's crack at the title. Too undeniable, exactly. And and you know, so it's like, you know, it, it, it may seem like, oh, she just took out the number seven, Manon Fior. It's like, no, she took out someone who was rising in the division. Like there's, you know, you there's different ways of telling the story. And as long as she can tell the story correctly, it could end up in her favor. So yep, we shall see. Yeah, you're right. We shall see. Good point. We'll see next. Obviously, what happens in UFC 275 in Singapore has a lot to do with next for Kaylin Chukagian with that Coleman event back pay-per-view card with um, Valentin Shenko and Natalia Santos. And we can move on to the next fight in the card, which is in the lightweight division between Manuel Torres and Frank Camacho. As Manuel Torres gets the TKO victory in three minutes and two, 27 seconds in that second, in the first round, excuse me. As you see a picture there for those of you know, as of Torres leaning an uppercut on Camacho. I believe it was the uppercut. I believe that pl- at the uppercut dropped him. Yeah. I know he got hit with combinations, you know, and then the uppercuts. And yeah, 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 the uppercuts were dropped in. He got hit with a left, I believe, left straight, and then the uppercut, if I'm mistaken. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Ain't much to yeah. say about that. Manuel Torres got hands, man. He do. He's got. Apparently, this was his twelfth or eleventh victory in the first round. I forgot the, the commentators mentioned how many of his victories were in the first round in terms of the first round finishes. He got another one. I gotta check and see. Let me let me see with on Manuel Torres. Give, give me a minute. But it was a good fight. Camacho has moments too where he did tag um, Torres a, a little bit too. What's up? It, yeah, I mean, he had his moments, all in all. But I, Manuel Torres, man, that was it. Was just a that was a spectacular combination. Got the finish off the uh, uh, off the right hook uppercut. Like it was just, it was beautiful, man. Beautiful combo work, and especially being on the main card in a fight night, that was great. That was just wonderful. Eleven. Okay, this this is eleventh victory, eleventh um, first round finish of his twelve victories. So it shows you. I mean, the guy gets a no, it's three thirteen victories. This was his eleventh, I believe, his eleventh for twelve. Let me see, eleven. Some decision here. No, this was his twelfth um, first round first. finish of his thirteen victories. I don't know why. I, I, I'm sorry for mis for miss, miss um. Nah, I mean, hey, like, I mean, look. All you saying right now, you, you, all you saying right now is letting the world know that. Well, he's letting the world know, but you're furthering the point. This man is dangerous in the stand-up game. He has enough power to put you out. And submissions, I saw he's got six um, submissions also, so he can make you tap as well quickly. But I mean, I, I'm guessing the way he set up those submissions was through the the, the striking. Yeah, I assume. You see the power is evident. Right. So this guy is definitely dangerous in the first round. For all the lightweights um, in, in, who are going to fight him, you got to definitely watch out in the first round because he can drop you and knock you out or drop you and get a submission victory considering he's got 12 first round um, victories with 13 fights. As I don't know why I couldn't say that earlier. Butcher it, but hey, I mean, Manuel Torres is dangerous. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah. 
So we're trying to say, but um, from there we can move on to the next. Well, the first fight on the main card, uh, Alan Nascimento versus Jake Hadley. Alan Nascimento defeats Jake Hadley, giving him his first defeat in his professional career. Jake Hadley falls to eight and one, and um, this was a great fight for Alan Nascimento. Yeah, a I great, totally agree. Great fight for him. A great fight because. Coming into the fight, all the talk was about Jake Hadley. What was Jake Hadley gonna do? What was Jake Hadley gonna do? Well, when he gets a guy in this, uh, uh, you know, spot of the ring, the, in this spot of the octagon, this is what he usually does. Like that was what the commentators were talking about all night in regards to Jake Hadley. Rightfully so, he was just coming off of a, um, what was it, a contender series victory and getting the I contract, right? I believe so. Yes. Yes. So uh, he, he got the contract, earned the contract, and now he's in the UFC. But Alan Acevento, man, it was a gritty, gritty fight. It was a dirty fight. It was, you know, just taking the guy down, ground and pound strikes, get, keeping control, throwing in the threat of submission. If not throwing in the submission, ground and pound yet again. And then when you get back up into the feet, you know, when you get back onto the feet, you're striking here and there, but you're making it dirty. You're giving Jake Hadley some moments of comfort here and there, but then you get right back into the dirty game plan. And this was something, I, you know, reminiscent of, I think, of Raquel Pennington. When I saw this fight, it was similar to like a Raquel Pennington type of approach where, you know, you're not, you know, flourishing in the best of skills, but you know how to mix it up enough to get it to where you want the fight to be. And if it's this much utter chaos and you're comfortable in it, then hey, thrive in the chaos. Live in it. And that's what Alan Nascimento did. It was a great, great fight for him. He just dominated the fight from beginning to end. And Jake Hadley had no response whatsoever. Yeah, you're, you're totally right with everything you just said. Jake Hadley, no response for any Alan Nascimento did. He basically controlled the fight. He's definitely doing well on the grappling exchanges, and they and they I'm not sure they mentioned it, but you can see Charles Oliveira was in his corner. You know, that's one of his teammates. If you see like whenever he was near his corner, you can see Charles Oliveira there. You could tell he definitely trains with Charles Oliveira, considering how well he was from the grappling exchanges from the strike. You know, so that's the grappling exchanges going for several times going for uh, leg knee bars and heel hooks. Although he didn't get it, but he still went there. And you can tell this guy definitely got good grappling trains with someone like Charles Oliveira in terms of the way his grappling, how he was just so much better than Jake Haley was. Haley was, and that's one of the big reasons why he won this fight. It's just controlling him, you know, being a much better grappler than him, as he did with hand Jake Haley's first loss, which I don't think he had experienced someone that good grappling prior to this, in my opinion, that I'm aware of. And he definitely. And he definitely uses grappling to to hand Jake his first loss. Yeah, I mean Jake is um from the tape they show Jake's experience with grappling offensively. It seems just he's never like you said he's never fought someone that was this well versed in grappling offensively and having you fight defensively and changing the game plan from that. But this is a learning experience. This isn't a one and done like boxing where, you know, as soon as you have a loss on your record, that's it. You know, like it, he still has chances to learn and grow from this. And I'm, I'm excited for both these guys. When they come back to the octagon, what are they going to show us? 
Yeah, I totally agree with you there. It's not boxing. He's got a chance to learn from this and just be a learning experience. And I'm excited to see what both fighters got. Namasio, uh, Alan, Namasio and um, Jake Hadley, Hadley, excuse me. And definitely excited to see what both guys have next. <clears throat> yeah, um, but that was the main card of the uh, UFC fight night. Is there anyone in the preliminaries that you want to give a shout out to? Um, Michael Johnson. If it's knockout victor, Alan Patrick. We haven't seen Michael Johnson in a while. And as you can see, he left Alan Patrick like uh, flatline. The, he, he knocked him out cold, left him flat on in, in their fights. And Michael Johnson's got power. Let's not forget this guy finished Dustin Poirier back in 2016. It's kind of crazy, Michael Johnson. This guy has been at UFC for a while. He's got victories over Edson Marbosa, Tony Ferguson, and Dustin Poirier. And you know, he's, he's had some bad luck recently, but he was able to get a depressive knockout victory Alan Patrick after not fighting for a while. I believe like a year or so. Yeah, I think, uh, what? Well, wasn't his last fight against, I, I think, OSP? No, no, no. He's no? lightweight. No. He's, he's got victories over Barbosa. Tony Ferguson, Justin Poirier. There's no way you fight OSP. Give me one moment. I mean, great victory. It definitely showcase, showcases power, considering Alan Patrick has moments in this fight where he, where he has success. Uh, Clay Gita. On... Clay Gita. Clay Gita, okay. Yes, Patrick has moments in this fight. Alan Patrick against uh, Michael Johnson, but Michael Johnson was able to land that shot that knocked him out and flatlined him, as you saw in that picture that I showed earlier. Great victory oh, for him. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, another fighter I want to shout out is Verna uh, Yanjaroba. She defeated Angela Hill. Unanimous decision there. Um, Yanjaroba looked very, very good. She went back to her roots of grappling. This was a full, fully grapp. Uh, this is grappling exchange. She knows she has power in her hands, but she's a grappler first. So it's all about you know throwing enough strikes to get it to the ground and then be comfortable there. And that's what she did in this fight. Um, you guys know I, I love Angela Hill, but I think she needs to move up in the like move out of the division. Got to move up in weight class or something. You think, right? you think so? It's it's. You got. She's just got to move out of the division because it doesn't look like she has the power for it anymore. Yeah, but I just don't know. One twenty-five. I'm just saying she's not a big one fifteener. Me personally, maybe you have a point, but she's not exactly a girl. Who looks big on one fifteen. I mean, maybe. Bro, she just because you you gotta you gotta do something for that power gap you have. She has the quickness. She has the length. She has, you know, the agility. She, the motion is all there and all that. But like, like watching her last couple of fights, the the Yanjaroba one, the Tisha Torres one, the rematch she got against Tisha Torres, like both those fights, it looked like she did not have the power for the division anymore. It feels like the the weight cut is killing her. Maybe. I, I guess I just don't know if he's big. I'm not sure if she would have success at 125. I mean, what what would you suggest she does? That's I don't know. I just I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's the best idea though. It's not exactly. 
I mean, would you cut her down some more? What? Weight? No. Yeah. No. 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 I just I don't think so because no animal weight division. But no. I'm not sure going up and weight exactly on solve their issues. Ida. Pretty girl yeah, for but a I mean, than her. I mean, but here's the thing: if you're looking at the division right now for her, like, <laughs> they're like. The only person I see her catching on a slide right now is Michelle Waterson. And at best, that gets her into the top 10. Right, and Michelle's got a fight against... Um, who? Shoot, who she got a fight against? It just got announced. Ah, damn it, who she have a fight against? It, this is announced it. Is I know she just... Le yes, Lemos, I think you're right. I think it's... It might be Lemos. Yeah, I think you're right about that. So, like, I don't know who else she's going to fight, but I just don't know like, going up and win. It's the best option. I mean, it's it, it, it's all, it, it's not about, you know, the best option. It's just in the, looking at it in the, in the, in the, in the vacuum of just what are the options she has. Because everyone up the weight, everyone, everyone up the division right now, they, they've either got a victory on her or a victory on someone that has beaten her. I don't know what's next. I can tell you. I don't know. We shall see, but I mean, <laughs> um. Also, Vivian Araujo defeat Angela Lee. I mean, Angela Lee via Liam's decision. Twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty seven. Two judges scorecards and very dominant victory for Araujo. I mean, def definitely looked looked like the better fire compared to Adrian Lee. Despite that head kick that Lee landed, as you see there in that yeah. picture. Despite that. But a lot of fights, Lee was on her back and really couldn't do much. She, she said like she was one step at, behind um, uh, Vivian. It seemed like they're the whole fight. As Vivian gets a nice victory over a surgeon, um, Lee, who was top 10 in that women's flyweight division. She had one chance in that fight, and it was that combo head kick where it kind of wobbled uh, uh, Vivian. But then after that, Vivian was game. It felt it felt like you know it you know once she got out of that funk and woke up, it was like okay, I know what I'm gonna do with you. And from there was a dominant victory for her, like you said. Salute to her. Uh, another fighter I want to uh, give a shout out to Andre Petrovsky. He defeated Nick Maximov early in the first round via anaconda choke. Maximov immediately just passed out. Damn, yeah, oh, passed out. yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, it was tight, so you can tell. And it's Max, I think it's Maximov's first loss. Yep. And I know he's, I know he's a product of Nick and Nate Diaz, a project, a project of, of both Diaz Burrs. I know Nate, probably, I think Nick as well. So definitely a great victory for um, Andre Perjoski in, in the prelims to start the, the the first fight of the of the whole entire card. Yep. And, and Shoot, I know we basically just shouted out the entire preliminaries, but another guy I want to shout out is Tatsuro Tyra. Yeah, he won the fight against uh Carlos Candelaro. Like that, he was a great. He's a great prospect. That's the guy that uh Austin was talking to me about a couple of weeks ago. He showed me a picture of him. Said this guy's gonna be interesting. I can't wait to see him in the UFC. And I saw him. It, very grappling heavy based. Very yep. grappling heavy based uh, uh fighter, but. He has power in his hands. There's, a, there's, there's definitely a chance for him to succeed in the UFC and become a name. 
especially because yeah. uh, you don't see a lot of uh, you know the Asian grapplers being predominantly shown in you know mixed martial arts like that. Those guys usually are strikers, so it's very rare to see a, a, a an Asian fighter who is a grappler. It's interesting to see his trajectory and where he goes with his career. I totally agree. You don't see as many Japanese or Asian grapplers like you used to. Back in the day, soon there was like more Jap especially Japanese grapplers, particularly judo judokas. But you don't see them a lot recently. Like Shinoyoki was like the last one I can recall. That was like 12, 13 years ago since his prime. And you know he's still fighting, doing well today. But still, now you now it's about to see more. Now, now we see um that's you know, you know that's now is a grappler. You know. Like I said, a lot of Asian fighters receive 10 F striking backgrounds, worse than grappling backgrounds. But now we have a, a you know first time in a while an F Asian, especially Japanese grappler, um, coming in the UFC or just North American MMA and showcases skills. Yeah, I think you know you don't see the judokas anymore because of you know there's no gi. Right. A lot of you know uh, a lot of those techniques, uh, a lot of the good you know very good techniques for the judo require the gi on because they will choke you out with your own clothes. But um, yeah, like you said, very interesting. And all in all, we, we shouted out basically everyone on the card because I think every fight was very this fight this fight card was very very interesting. There's a disappointment in the main event just due to injury, but all in all, it was a very good card. Yep, definitely was as Tatsuro Tyra uh, goes 11 and 0 now, so he stays undefeated. So yeah, great, good, good card overall, despite the disappointing finish with Rakich in his knee. But very good card. Yeah, great, fin great submissions, great knockouts, competitive fights, competitive fights at the end of the finish. You know, important fights for the lightweight division, also for the women's fight division. We may just got two new number one contenders for the those two weight classes respectively, and also. To, you know, point, you know, point fight in the uh, women's flight division between uh, Vivian Rojo and a Adria Lee, and of course, two ranked fighters in the strawweight division between um, Jan Jaroba and Angela Hill. So it's kind of everything: rising contenders, prospects, and like I said, f great fights, great submissions, great knockouts. Good card overall for the UFC. Most definitely. And um, with that being said, we could move on to some upcoming events. This Friday, there there is no Bellator, but Khabib Nurmagomedov has got us, ladies and gentlemen. Khabib has got us. Eagle FC, this Friday, 6 p.m., tune in and on the FTX uh, program. I mean, FLX, excuse me. It's live and free on FLX. I have FLX cast on my phone, so I will watch. I will be watching the Eagle FC card. It's uh, Jorgen De Castro versus Junior Dos Santos. That's the uh, main event in the heavyweight division. So it's going to be an interesting fight there. You also have Hector Lombard versus Thiago Silva. That's going to be very, uh, very interesting there. We also have some interesting uh, names on the card. Uh, you have, uh, excuse me, Sean Bunch is starting off the card. He's a disciple of DC. Uh, DC loves raving about this guy, so... We're going to see how he competes on the card. He's going to be fighting against uh, Adi Alik. And then you also have uh, Ahmed Aliyev. He's very interesting as well. He's going to be fighting uh, Daryl Horcher. This is all on the uh, preliminaries. We also have Islam Mamadov. He's put on some very interesting uh, uh, interesting tape on uh, Eagle FC. 
so uh, he's going to be fighting your your Dennis Sedeno. So it's going to be some very interesting fights on Eagle FC. Please tune in Friday, 6 p.m. Eagle FC on FLX Cast. And uh, with that being said, we can move on from there to what's happening Saturday night. Oh, I just want to say something. I'm sorry. I think oh, my message ahead. muted. Sorry, I didn't realize that. Um, I'm surprised Islam Mamadov was wasn't it. I don't know. If he's well. He might still be in Bellator because I know Sergey Karatanov is in Bellator and he let him fight on the UFC card. I was surprised to see Islam Mamadov on his card, considering his last fight was in Bellator back in January. We lost to Benson Henderson. But definitely interested in see what he Islam Mamadov does. Also, like I said, I main event. I it should be. Uh, I think may end the knockout between Dos Santos and DeCastro. DeCastro's got a striking background, but kickboxing, and then Junior Santos. We know his boxing background. He's you know we know he's he's got power in his hands. He's definitely knocked out a lot of dudes over the years. But yeah, the UFC card is definitely definitely something to look forward to. As you mentioned, it's on. It begins Friday at 6 p.m. Correct. Yep, Friday 6 p.m. on the FLX cast. So tune in; it's for free. Yep, whole cars for free. Just download the app, FLX. Look it up on your app store. It's right there for free. Uh, but yeah, we can move on from there to what's happening Saturday night. Uh, Saturday afternoon, excuse me. UFC Fight Night. Holly Holm versus Caitlin Vieira. Bantamweight division. The preacher's daughter is back, ladies and gentlemen. Preacher's daughter is back. How do you see this one going, man? I, 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 I believe Holly Holm was supposed to fight like several weeks ago, but then she got like injured, so they postponed to now. And this, this, this is a important fight for Holly because Holly Holm has put on a little streak together. She's ever since that loss to Amanda Nunes back in 2019. It, in July 2019, I forget which UFC pay-per-view. I remember the same one as Masvidal when Masvidal Ben Askren five, you know, five-second knee. I know it's the same card. It's a co-main event. Since I lost to Nunes, she's put, she's won her last two fights via the decision over Kel Pennington and Irene Aldana, very, very comfortably too against both women who are both doing well in the bantamweight division. And she can have a dominant victory or Vieira. She might earn herself a snare title fight, especially winning three in a row and four of her last five fights if she were to beat Caitlin uh, Vieira obviously and especially considering Holly Holm I think just turned 40 or she's 39 she's somewhere around there she's not exactly you know young spring chicken anymore uh, she's gone to MMA a little bit later because she had a Hall of Fame boxing career prior to doing U MMA and with, with Holly Holm she can keep this fight in distance you know especially boxing or kickboxing distance and she can you know, keep it there. I think she has a great shot of dominating Kaylin Vieira, considering she is the better boxer of the two, obviously. Considering, like I mentioned, she's a Hall of Fame boxer versus Vieira. Although, if you're Kaylin Vieira, your her comments got to be all time high, considering she has come out the victory over Misha Tate, if I'm mistaken, in her last fight, correct? Uh, give me one moment. Let me see. Yeah, she has come out the victory yes. over Misha yes. Tate. Exactly, who, you know, I know it's not Misha Tate several years ago, but Misha Tate was coming out of victory prior to that, and Misha Tate is a legend in the sport, in her first main event too, so she's not going to have that main event jitters that you probably would think, considering she's not a woman who's had a lot of main events. But since this being her second one, her getting a victory in the last one, 
she should be more confident and she could she's trying to you know if she get a, a victory over another ufc um bantamweight champion now you start talking about her possibly getting a title fight considering she's being two former champions and so the vision with not a lot of contenders obviously juliana and Amanda are going to do the rematch and whoever wins that fight the winner of this fight is probably going to fight the winner of that fight if you think about it it would make sense i mean i'm not wrong at that i mean when you think about it yeah i agree but uh with this fight uh, the way you're talking, this doesn't go to the distance. This sounds like it's gonna end in a finish. Uh, maybe, maybe if, if Holly wins, I see it more. I see Holly more likely getting the finish versus Ke um, Kaylin Vieira, personally. But I can see this going to decision because Holly Holmes' last three victories have all been decisions. You know, so. Okay. But I mean, Holly Holmes, we know she can finish girls. We see the famous head kick of Ronda Rousey, the head kick against Bechkohea. And, you know, and earlier in her career, she was getting several, vic you know, head kick and TKO victory. So we know the head kick's there. And also she's got, so, I mean, it's possible she could get a head kick knockout and me throw a punch that stuns Galen Vieira and drops her potentially. But I think, I think it's going to decision personally, but I can see Holly Holm getting the finish more likely than Galen Vieira. Now I'll be surprised if Kaylin gets the um, not, um, finish a little bit. But it's MMA, didn't expect it happens. I mean, let's not. Sometimes we don't. We expect something to happen, doesn't work out that way because MMA is unpredictable, as you and I both know. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, we definitely shall see what goes on in this fight. It's going to be very interesting, and this fight definitely has some contendership implications. Um, looking also at this uh, co-main event here. In the welterweight division, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Michelle Pe uh, Pereira. This is interesting to me. Michelle Pereira, uh, yeah, it's going to be entertaining. Uh, Michelle Pereira, his last fight, he showed a lot of control. He showed a lot of control in his last fight. He wasn't, you know, flipping around, exploding, things of that nature. He used to do all this athletic stuff just because he had the ability, ability to. But in his last fight, uh, uh, what was it against um, uh, Andre, Andre Fialo? Fialo. Yeah, yeah, back in January. Yep, and that was a very controlled uh, approach that he took against Andre F uh, Fialo. And we see Fialo is just finishing guys left and right. And he felt that it, even in that fight, he had a chance to finish uh, um, Michelle Pieta. But it didn't happen there. But we shall see what Michelle Pieta's, um, you know, if he sticks to the game plan, then it'll be very entertaining and it'll always be, you know, it'll always be one move away from some guy getting knocked out. But if he doesn't, then I, I see Ponzinibbio just taking this fight over. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Michel Pierre has won four in a row. He's been a lot more patient, a lot more calm than usual because one of the things that, that would cost him in some fights is that he would just be too reckless and be so reckless that he would tire himself out allowing the other guy to to beat him and get the decision over him but he's definitely changed in these last several fights and he's gone you know more patience led to more success and more victories he's won four in a row now as he has a chance if he beats Ponzinibbio who's definitely cracking the rankings because I think Ponzinibbio is ranked like 12 11 like he's in the top 15 I, I know in the welterweight division I just don't remember where he's ranked Ponzinibbio if I'm mistaken one moment Ponzinibbio is ranked number 14. 14, okay. 
That's right, he's coming out of the, that's right, he's coming to loss to Jeff Neal. I split decision back in December, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, Ponce Nibio, I mean, definitely guys who's capable of delivering very exciting, entertaining fights. Like he did against Miguel Baeza back in June of last year. And this is a guy who's trying to you know, prove why he's a ranked fighter because prior to that long layoff he had where he was gone for two and a half years, he was a guy who was in top 10 who was coming out of victory over Neil Magny and a guy who we thought who could be a, a contender in the welterweight division. But that layoff and losing to um, the leech, um, Lee Jiang, definitely hurt him. And he's trying to bounce back and after that loss to Jeff Neal. And I think Pazanibio is a guy who definitely has a shot. I mean, I think he's my slight favorite, although I wouldn't be surprised if Piero beats him just because of the competition that Pazanibio's fate versus uh, Piero. I think that might play a role. And considering this is a co-main event, which is a big, you know, I don't recall too many co-main events Pierre has fought in. Maybe that might that might play a role potentially. Maybe, maybe not as much as the main event because it's only three rounds. To be fair, yeah. But, but still, I mean, I think these are two guys who have a lot of finishes. Pierre has got like 17 finishes, and I know Ponzinibbio's got like 21 finishes. So both guys can finish. Definitely a lot. Definitely a lot. Of you know, with, with, would I be surprised to finish? No, but I can see this being a decision also because of this, because they might just cancel each other out and, and both guys should be more cautious and don't want to get caught with something from either one of the guys because both guys, like I said, have the finishing uh, ability. I think this could definitely be a very good fight. Wouldn't surprise me to fight tonight. I'm not saying it's going to be, but I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, uh, that. I I would I would be more shocked if this is one fight of the night over possibly the main event. Mm. I would, I, but I mean, I'll just say that. And but at the same time, fight of the night could come from any fight on the card. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. This uh, both these guys have the possibility to make this a fight of the night. It's just uh, they gotta. There's too many factors that both guys have to check before they they can do that. But. You're absolutely right. This does have the possibility. Um, is is there anything else you want to add on to this? Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else I want to add on? No, I think I said everything I need to say. I mentioned that if um Pear wins, he should probably he probably be ranked. So he's probably in a row and just beat the number fourteen guy. Mm-hmm. But I already mentioned that, so it's nothing else. All right. Uh, with that being said, we can move on to the next fight on the main card. It's in the middleweight division. TD and Joquani versus Dusko Todorovic. Uh, this fight doesn't go the distance, man. Dusko Todorovic. I've heard TD on Joquani. Dusko Jornovich, not too familiar with him. not going to lie. He, this guy is a striker. He is very much so a striker. He, um, The way he walks people down is similar to Sean Strickland type of, of, of fighting style. It's heavy with the hands. He may throw a kick or two here and there, but he really wants to hit you with his hands. That's the type of guy Dusko Todorovic is. So I I don't see this fight going the distance. Someone is most definitely getting knocked out. Okay, yeah, and I see. Um, I'm just looking up a little bit of uh, Todorovic, uh, and he's definitely definitely a striker. Definitely guy's got 7K on TKOs of his 11 victories, so... Guy, guy likes to finish with striking. Um, yeah, it, I know, it, and I know Chidi, Chidi, uh, and Joquani loves to do the same thing. Yeah, especially against, 
especially that victory he had against uh, Mark Andrew Barrow uh, uh, a, yeah. few months, a few months ago. That was, yeah. So, that's, right. um, that's why I said this. Yeah, that's right. Now I remember him because I knew I'd see him fight. I just couldn't recall. Yeah, that's right. 16 second knockout. That's why I said this fight does not go to distance. Someone is getting put out. Yep. Great fit. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's going to be a finish. Hopefully, which should definitely be a good thing for. Definitely a good thing for the fans. Most definitely. I. <laughs> I was look out for this one because this might be performance. Of, someone from this fight is getting performance of the night bonus. That's that's what I see for sure. Right. All right, we, we can, can move on. What? Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. I was gonna say we can move on to the next fight. Yeah, uh, in the strawweight division, in the women's strawweight division, Pollyanna Viana versus uh, Tabitha Ricci. Kind of not familiar with either of these ladies. Viana, I'm more familiar with. I've seen her fight. I know I've seen her fight a couple of times. This is Viana's first fight in over a year. Last time she fought was a victory over Molly, I mean, Malari Martin back in February of 2021. They gave her Burns and Kamara Usman card. She won an arm bar in the first round. Mm. So we haven't seen Viana in a while. So that's why she didn't fall in over a year. Natalia Risi, I, I'm not too familiar with. No, Reese, I'm familiar with now because she's had two fights in the UFC. Her first fight was against Manon Fior. Remember, she uh, uh, that, that was both of them stepped up. You know, I, I think that was their recently first fights in the uh, UFC. Manon Fior finished that via TKO in the second round. Yeah, okay. I see at the second round, then she bounced back in October and won her fight against Maria uh -huh. Oliveira back in October. Tabitha Risi. So I know they're both Brazilians. They're two Brazilians fighting each other. And, and I know Risi is a grappler. Yeah, and yeah, and so is um, Viana. She's got eight submission victories too. So it this might be a be grappling. Good. You you I was, you said it might be a grappling competition. You know when two grapplers get in the octagon, what's gonna happen? Striking. It's a whole lot of striking, but sometimes, but sometimes with grapplers, they'll try to do grappling. Sees the better grappler. I know a wrestler, more two wrestlers, you definitely is definitely a guaranteed striking matchup, and some and and, and sometimes with grapplers, same thing. But sometimes with grapplers, they may try to see who's the better grappler too. Sometimes, I think, but but also you got the times where they'll stand sees the better striker of the two, and and, I, and it might be the case here. But I just feel like a rest, with two wrestlers, you see them more often than two jiu-jitsu practitioners. Not to say you don't see it with two, two jiu-jitsu practitioners where they both decided where it becomes stand-up fights. Because sometimes it does. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I'm, maybe I just, Let me know if I'm wrong in the chat or in the comments. Yeah. Just <laughs> oh, but we definitely shall see what happens in this uh, fight between Pollyanna and Tabitha. Um, we can move on really to the next fight on the well, the first fight on the main card, Eric Anders versus Jun Young Park. This is in the middleweight division. Eric Anders, a guy I'm, I'm familiar with Anders with Jun Young Park. Not too familiar with him at all. I'm not, I'm not too familiar with Jun Young Park, but what I can say, I am familiar with Eric Anders, and what I'm familiar with is looking at him, and I've seen him in the middle. 
he looks big for the middleweight division. Yeah, he looks like he should be a light heavyweight. I mean, the guy used to play football yeah. at University of Alabama, won a national title with them back in 2009, too. Yeah, he really looks like a light heavyweight. I agree. Did he fight a light heavyweight, Eric Anders? I could have sworn he did. Nah, I mean, the last time I've seen him fight was at middleweight. I've seen two fights of his at middleweight, and I've, every time I've looked at him, I'm like, oof. I feel like he just needs to move up in the division. Move up. He looks I, I, too big. Because he gets... I've seen him get gassed in the first round. Yeah. I, yeah, I have. That's a good... I have too. And that bites him, especially later on the fight. But no, he did fight lightweight. He fought um, Clue and Roundtree lightweight. That was a mm. fight where Roundtree messed up his leg badly with those kicks. That Muay Thai, you know, that Muay Thai stance. Yeah, that was a lightweight. Yeah. He also fought Tiago Santos. That's right. He, he headlined a car with Tiago Santos in Brazil. One time with Santos on his way to the championship, he ended up mm. getting finished by Santos. But hey, that's Santos, which yeah. You now at that point, Santos was a dangerous man. Freaking. Yeah. Not only that, but you just mentioned another guy that's very, very dangerous, Khalil Roundtree. It's it's only but a matter of time for him if he gets on the right string. Like we see that this guy, like he's <laughs> this guy is clear in his last two fights have set trends for other MMA fighters. Yeah. True. The the, the fight yep. prior to, like, the first fight that, that put him on the map was the oblique kick. And then everyone started doing it. And then his last fight, he was able to kick someone in the solar plexus while they were crouched down on the ground. Hey, it lifted him up. Yeah, exactly. That was crazy, crazy. Like, he is a vicious, accurate striker, so it's... I, I can't... Like, you, you lost the two vicious guys. And, yeah, I know Andrew's last fight was a loss to, um, to Andre Munez, who's definitely... You know, talk about guys rise up in the midway rankings. How about him? He's ranked number 13, and yeah. he's definitely a guy who's been submitting people left and right. I mean, he submitted Jack Ray Jack, in his last... Which would be Jack Ray's last fight, broke his arm. It was sad. Submitted Andrew, submitted... Is a point prior to that, so now he's fighting Uriah Hall in July, UFC 276. So, I mean, Andrew's last fight was a loss to, you know, a rising contender in his weight class, and Andre Munez, as he tries to bounce back against uh, against uh, Jung Young Park. And just want you know, read a little information about Jung Young Park real quick. He's 13 5, got five, five TKO KOs, three submissions, and five decisions. So, eight finishes. His last fight was a loss to Gregor Rodriguez back in. October and a couple cost of Marvin Tory undercard where he lost via KO in the second round. Before they yeah, had one then, three in a row. But yeah, and I also see he has a win over Tafan and Chukwi. And Tafan and Chukwi is a knockout artist, so for him to get a decision win majority, it seems like he played it smart. He's a smart fighter. Yeah, and he's got Victor and Ray Cooper Durr, who's doing well in um, PFL at the moment. So, I mean, that definitely a good, got some noble victories, noble wins. So, these are two guys trying to bounce back from losses, um, Jung Young Park and Eric Anders. Potentially, you know, I mean, the, who's, I, I can't, I don't have a favorite. It can go either way with one of these guys. Yeah. It, I mean, it could go out either way, but I, for me personally, I think I'd have to favorite Jung uh, Young Park on this one. If he's smart, he's going to make Eric Anders tire himself out, and from there, you you piece him up, but that uh, that's if he's able to execute the game plan. Yep, I totally agree. And 
I agree with you. I think Gary Anders should definitely be a light heavyweight, not a not a middleweight. I think a light weight be better for him. Yeah. I, I I agree with you there. But um, yeah, I think that's the main card. I don't think I don't think there's anything else in the main card I can think of. Nah, that's it for the main card. There's some interesting names on the uh, uh, preliminaries that I think you guys should check out. Omar Morales versus Udo's Medic. That's gonna be interesting. There, Udo's Medic is a, a, a very uh, a name that's coming up in the UFC. Chase Hooper, he's fighting on the preliminaries against Felipe Colares. Uh, that should be interesting. There, Chase Hooper is also a guy that's coming up in the uh, UFC. And the first fight on the main uh, on the uh, preliminaries as well, Elise Reed versus Sam Hughes. That's going to be interesting to me. So, is there any fight on the preliminaries that you see is going to be interesting? No, you just you mentioned Chase Hooper. That was the one fight I was going to mention. Hooper's fight. Yeah. Yeah, he took. Yeah, that was the one I was going to mention. Chase Hooper against um, Felipe de the um, Coras. Colares, yeah. Colares. Colares, yeah. But um, in the featherweight division. But yeah, overall, that's the card. You said it starts Saturday afternoon, correct? Yep, Saturday. The uh, I think the preliminary start at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. The card starts at 7. Yep. Yep. It's live at UFC at the Apex, in Las Vegas. As there's no belt tour this weekend, there won't be belt tour till till like late June, June 24th. So this is the UFC, and not, we have Eagle FC at this Saturday, but I'm not sure when the next Eagle FC event is going to take place after this. Not too sure. So at least we're getting but, um, Yeah, but, but if you guys download the FLX Cast app, you will be notified for whenever Eagle FC is on because they don't. Uh, they not. They not only host certain events in the United States, but they're really out of the United States. They host the events in other parts of the world. So. Be on the lookout for Eagle FC. Yep. And definitely Eagle FC is this Friday at 6 p.m. and sa 7 o'clock Saturday. It's the UFC Holly Holm versus Ken Vieira in the main event on ESPN Plus. So I can't. So definitely got a lot of MMA, good, good amount of MMA this, this weekend, upcoming weekend to watch. And we shall see what's going to happen. We'll. And look forward to talking next week, breaking down what happened this past this upcoming weekend with the UFC and um, UFC. Most is there anything definitely. else we gotta mention before we head out? Um, just wanna shout out Jermel Charlo. He was able to knock out uh, Brian Cost uh, Castaño in the tenth round to become the unified 154 uh, 154 pound champ. Salute to Jermel Charlo, man. Yeah, nice victory for Jamal Charlo as he unifies the 154 title. I mean, that, you know, now he's the unified champion in boxing. You know, so it's definitely a great shout out for him to do that. You know, it's better. You know, you, if you, it's better to see unified champions. At least he knows the best. As boxing does have that problem of too many belts, which I'm pretty sure all boxing fans have talked about. My dad, I'm pretty sure, has talked about it in previous streams. You've talked about it, I'm sure. I mean, it, it, the, the idea was fun at first, but now you have so many belts that you have no choice but to unify them. Yeah. So they said, boxing has too, too many sanctioning bodies. That's just, why are you there? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, salute once again to Jamel Charlo. Great uh, victory. 
and um yeah that's uh that's been it so far in the world of combat sports thank you guys so much for joining us whether it be on youtube here where you guys can always submit questions in the comment section uh, or you guys can uh leave a set leave a question or a comment in the comments and we shout you out in the next show or whether you're joining us in the podcast form that's it. apple google iHeartRadio, anchor fm spreaker wherever you're joining us Spotify. thank you guys uh, spotify thank you guys so much for uh joining us and supporting everything we do here at mma weekly and in the bx sports jedi network but from myself chef dan and from austin just want to say peace out yeah and uh thank you guys for watching listening to us on our podcast platforms or watching us on youtube we appreciate the love and support and can, like i said can we go we'll see you guys next week can we break down what happens this coming weekend and and uh, we'll see you guys. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys later. Peace out. Ladies and gentlemen, we are...